Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Race podcast. I'm joined here by the rest of the team. Kelly Jane, what up? Hi. Jay and the homie yeah, Carl. Man. Let's do what we do What's best. Up? Let's embrace. Yeah. Um, Got a quick shout out for y'all. For y'all. And hey, this is a good shout out, actually. This is a little different from normal, but this is a shout out to Richmond, yo. This is a shout out to Richmond RVA RVA for being on the cover of this year's National Geographic with with the re the reinvented monument. Talk about it, Mm. man! That was a beautiful picture. Yeah, they should they should keep it up now. They can keep it up just like that. I'm fine with. I like that. Yeah, I wonder what Stoney will say. If Stoney's like, well, now that it's an attraction to our city and maybe people will come and travel to see it, we can... Right. National Geographic is huge. Disney yeah. owns that. You said Disney? Yeah. Oh, I think I knew that. That's still crazy, though. They own everything. But shout out to them. Shout out to them. Uh, shout out to everybody in Richmond out there. If you're listening, if you're in Richmond, shout out to you. We did it. We um We made an impact. Now let's keep the impact going. We got to make sure that we allow that impact to live on. Yeah. Um, and continue to uh, reach out and impact our communities, impact the uh, people that don't look like us, the people that look like us, everybody. We got to link mm-hmm. arms. We got to embrace. Um, cool, cool, cool. Um, I, I have a question, actually. Um, before we get into the what's going zone, I had a question. Equity. Yeah. In your home? No, it just I'm 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 struggle I'm struggle I'm struggling I'm struggling with what what is equity what is that and why is that such a big thing now? What do you think it is? What it seems like to me, and this I could be completely wrong. I, I feel like this is a safe space. I'm with my friends, right? Let's do it. Yeah, I hear you. This is a safe space. If you're listening, I'm I'm wrong. But this is this is how equity meetings make me feel because I'm part of a diversity and equity team. Two of them, actually. Two of them. Um, It feels like these teams are put together to make to to think of ways how to make their organization more diverse and to create opportunities for other races that aren't represented in their in their company or community mm-hmm. and that sounds great and it probably even looks great on paper but the gut feeling that i get from some of the meetings or at least from when i hear about it is why does this seem like you just want black people to seem like mm-hmm. you're not a detriment to black people yeah. you know but like why does yeah. it feel like you just want black faces so you seem like you're with it? Yeah. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who's been tokenized before. I know what it feels yeah. like to be the only black person in X, Y, and Z. So when we have these meetings, it just makes me feel like, oh, you you trying to you trying to make it seem like there's no problems or issues here. You know, but just getting more black faces isn't going to change anything. Right. You know, um, but hey, equity might be a really big and good thing. I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm internalizing it wrong. So that's why I asked y'all, like, what is that? That's not even our topic. I was just, maybe this deserves an episode at some point, but. I think it does. Yeah. I actually want to talk in the future a little bit more about that and all the different communities and organizations because people are turning that on Mm. and they're either doing it wrong or they're killing it, setting examples and all that. Um, But to your point, so equity at its essence is, is about value. Mm. Um, And brands have equity it's what people think about them it's not really something you could put a number on but you can you can kind of quantify it um people have equity in their homes um that's a little bit more quantifiable home inequity yeah 
And I think you should explain that for your, our viewers because we didn't they didn't see your facial expression just now. The room I record in is next to a bathroom. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it had to do with what you were saying. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, flushes in all equity when it comes to social equity. It's about creating value for individuals or marginalized communities um, so that they have equal opportunities. Um across the board mm. you may see memes and, and things like that on social media um, that's giving more resources to somebody so that they could have a better chance or an equal chance at something whether it's education whether it's at a livelihood or any of the other benefits that a lot of people have in our communities mm -hmm. uh, yeah so that's heating for your house you know there are subsidies that uh, that people apply um that are benefits for um utilities yeah and all that um but we also have equities in in the welfare system education and jobs um yeah so that's that's what equity is that makes better sense that and it, it sounds better coming from carl yeah but, uh, yeah i couldn't couldn't add anything more to that carl yeah he'd be great explaining it i wonder if what feels one of the things that maybe feels weird about the diversity teams is it still feels very white controlled where it's like mm -hmm. i'm a white person who's giving you a seat at the table and aren't i doing a good thing because i'm white and i'm letting other people mm -hmm. in and it just feels like the person who has control of the resources, even if they're giving it to people, they're the one that are still in control of the resources. And that's like the problem. Yeah. To with. Or, or like a white person is here to tell me the problems within the black community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the sideline like, Oh, tell me what's, tell me what needs to be fixed. You tell me what needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just weird. It puts me in a weird place. Yeah. Um, but you know, working through it, what do you think you would rather happen, like in a perfect world? I don't know. This because we wouldn't need them, but <laughs> uh, I guess in a perfect world, we'd start from the top and work our way, work our way down instead of working or, from the bottom. What is the bottom and what is the top? The bottom meaning, you know, just a random example. Um, you know, I'm part of the diversity team diversity and equity team at my school mm -hmm. and amazing and a lot of amazing ideas. I think we're going to really impact the school in a, in a major way, in a positive way. Um, but even just some of the solutions that we were talking about, it seems as if the people that hold the keys are above just our school. Mm -hmm. It seems like the people that hold the keys are either, uh, you know, the board, the school board, or even higher than them, the governor, mm -hmm. or even higher than him, you know, the the country, you know, the the Senate, the the House of Representatives, you know, Congress. Like yeah, it I just agree. seemed like every time we got to a solution, it was like, oh, well, we would have to contact them. Like they hold the keys for that. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, what if we did that? Well, they hold the keys for that. It just seemed like it just kept climbing the ladder. Of, it, it's embedded in our culture, our everyday. Like we were talking about yeah. the the norm. We were talking about that. Um, in, in our white privilege episode is that, you know, your what's normal to you may be an obstacle for someone else. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like some of these obstacles in order to demolish some of these obstacles for some of these, um, you know, kids that are African-American or different nationalities that aren't really represented in order to demolish them, we got to go write legislation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not just a, team that can change or demolish those things um because the way our everything is set up is is just set up in a certain way but yeah i i hear you i so the the top is there's money and people with choice or the the authority to make choices right and the people at the bottom 
are the people who are not as fortunate to have money or authority over many things. What if you folded, create a little diagram so I could visualize it. What if you folded that mm-hmm. and just brought them together so they could talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Like an embrace? Like an embrace, exactly. So we need um, but on the show. What's that? We need Jeff Bezos on the show. Yeah, yeah, we need Jeff Bezos. Well, sounds great. I could probably get in touch with him. I've got a Prime membership now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Direct line right there. Hey, you, if, if you pay your bill every month. Within two days. If you pay your bill every month, you should get a, you should be able to get at least one phone call in your life. Oh, for sure. <laughs> one favor. Yeah. What, I don't know. What if, what if, okay, what if, this is kind of just a funny hypothetical, but what if we were able to find like a, maybe like a CEO of a company on Cameo and we were able to just pay the money and, and part of their one minute greeting, video greeting, is them talking about like, you know, diversity and equity and race and all that. And then just add it to our podcast episode. I just. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I can reach out to somebody right now. <laughs> Yeah, look, I and I had a, I have another idea of something I would love to do. I think we're all intelligent, and a lot of these companies, a lot of these companies out here, are looking for people to come and talk to their company about mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion and all these things, mm-hmm. these matters of race. What if we were the team that they hired to come in? They hired Team Embrace to come and talk to them, and they gave us a donation. Wow, we can then put into the community because at some point, you know, embrace matters of race has to become a nonprofit. It has to; it's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I qualify for that though. (laughs) You don't qualify to be a nonprofit. Oh, to talk to people about diversity and equity, and (sighs) I mean, you got the Holy Spirit, bro. You you qualify. Amen. Amen. Oh yeah, we're into existence. If anyone listening knows anyone looking for people to teach them. We, we are here. We're here. For Find the people who have the Holy Spirit, and you, you'll be sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are not officially licensed to do any talks, but uh, as you can see by <laughs> the talk we're you, doing right here, the talk we can do right here qualifies us. Um, um, so there's there was this interview. Ava Duvernay. Mm-hmm. She interviewed Angela Davis. And there's just one profound question about all these efforts with DEI or, or DNI, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, at a lot of uh, companies and organizations across the country because of um, what happened at the the beginning of the summer. And Angela Davis's concern was that all these people are just starting this stuff so that they could be diverse and inclusive. Um, but all that's doing, well, her concern was that all that would be doing is taking diverse looking people from diverse backgrounds and including them into an organization's mindset or philosophy, but it's not really having much of an outcome as far as what is actually um, diverse or inclusive or equitable. Um, Because companies need to serve people, Um, organizations need to serve people. And if you're not meeting the needs of those people, um, you're just you're just continuing to sell at it. And you know that DNI or DEI mm-hmm. initiative is just an ele- another selling point. That's not really uh, well. It's just a lift service, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. It's uh, it seems like if you're listening, we have a lot to talk about. We won't get to it on this episode, but. Um, just even fleshing out stuff to come, to come soon. You know, uh, we have, there's a lot of topics that we um, haven't touched yet. So we got a lot of work to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we get to our main squeeze of today, which is cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Um, I had a question, another question. Vaccine, yay or no? Nah? I'm, I'm just waiting. I'll, I'll, the, the Bible says the first will be last. I want to be last first. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine with taking my time just a little bit in regards to making sure other people who probably need it more than I do get it mm-hmm. instead of consideration. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take it. Sure. 
Yeah, I saw this really helpful meme or Instagram graphic or something that was like, when black people tell you that they're not getting the vaccine or that they're afraid to get the vaccine, just know that it's not because they're being like selfish or dumb or paranoid. Like it's based on really real historical fears why they wouldn't trust Mm -hmm. the government. And that was just really helpful for me because yeah, I mean, I don't have those experiences, super privileged white. And to me, it's kind of a no brainer, but that trauma is real for people. Like that trauma of that obstacle of like, I just don't trust this. And I think that needs to be met with a lot of understanding and compassion and not judgment, but also hopefully, hopefully Mm -hmm. the vaccine works out and hopefully people do get it because I really want COVID to be over and I want people to stop sensibly dying. Right. Right. Yeah. All of this stuff just searchable. Um, The, the number of experience, the the number of government experiments on um, people of color in this country's mm-hmm. history. history. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it's embedded this fear of experiments in government. And, I, you know, I kind of have it in the back of my head, like, uh, I don't know about all that. I don't know what you, you know. <laughs> um, and plus, I've probably seen way too many zombie movies, and I feel like this is how I Am Legend started. Yeah. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but hey, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, the world is in my prayers. America is in my prayers as this vaccine comes out. Hopefully it was touched by God. Um, and this is something that will be positive and it'll help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so our main squeeze today, cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Obviously, we want to appreciate everybody's culture rather than appropriate. But I thought it would be cool to kind of give you guys you know, this is our first episode on appropriation. This is number one. We'll probably have more than one, just like we attacked white privilege and other things. Um, so this first episode, we'll just kind of define it and talk about it a little bit um, and then raise some more questions that when we come back to it, we'll have a lot more to even talk about. But um, first off, I got to give you the definition. What is cultural appropriation? Well, uh, cultural appropriation is the unacknowledgement. Um, oh, ooh. there's a lot of big words in this show. I'm sorry. Take your time. The unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the practices, customs, or aesthetics of one's social or ethnic group by members of another, typically dominant community or society Mm, yeah those very wordy (laughs) those really wordy goodness gracious um yeah that gives you a lot to think about (laughs) (laughs) it does let me read that one more time just in case you didn't catch it at home it is The unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption. Uh, So basically, uh, you adopting something, you taking something, whether you meant to do it, you knew what you was doing, or you didn't know what you were doing, but you still took something. Uh, Took the practices, customs, or aesthetics um, of one's social or ethnic group by members of another, typically dominant. Uh, so let's say we have a dominant race um, in an area and they choose to uh, adopt practices or customs of another group um, in an inappropriate way. Uh, that is what's considered cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? I know it's really wordy. I tried to change it up a little bit. I hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's just so much with that definition. I mean, there's, I mean, it it could, 
you could talk for days about this, about all of this. I think there's, you can even just focus on one aspect of it in some way, like a, maybe a particular custom of one particular race and just focus primarily on how that's been appropriated uh, over the years. Um, but yeah, it's just so much to, to unpack with, with this idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So I think the bigger question is where do we even start? Yeah. 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 Well, I know what what comes to mind because I looked at a lot of pictures and obviously we're not filmed um, to where our audience can see pictures. But if you type in cultural appropriation on Google, there you know, these all these things are researchable. Don't just mm-hmm. take Team Embrace's word for it. Look these things up yourself. I encourage you to um, so that you can know for yourself that these things exist. Um, but look up cultural appropriation. I saw a lot of uh, pictures. I saw bl- a lot of blackface pictures, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and blackface is something that started back in the like the 1840s, right? Um, where, you know, a white actor or singer um, would dress in blackface. They would, they would have black makeup and they would have, you know, they would put red lipstick on um, and they would portray a character that is supposed to be an African-American. Even America's first blockbuster film, a birth of a nation Mm -hmm. utilized blackface. Um, That was the American, first blockbuster film yeah blockbuster kelly t i'm so sorry i was just it's so okay that's all right you broke the tension i don't I'm know so if you knew this kelly jane but there actually was like bet when they would show movies at night usually they call it blockbuster like, oh, okay. that's what so, I was right. But anyways, Birth of a Nation would definitely never qualify as as one of those. Um, no, black but, entertainment. Sorry, I'm just like, wow, that like knowing what that movie is, that just is such a bad foot for our country to start off on. If that's our very first yeah. blockbuster. Well, Woodrow Wilson showed it in the White House. Yeah, exactly. Showed it the White House. Wow. President was screening it. Quoting Woodrow Woodrow Wilson, quote uh, quote, uh, that he said about the film was, "It was history with lightning." And uh, yeah, which that's a quote. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the movie, you'll be dumbfounded by in 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 hindsight. I think after after you watch it, Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting start as well. It's just even about cultural appropriation in film and how it goes all the way back to the beginning, and that the bedrock of cinema is, has got, has got many different issues involving racism. Birth wow. of a nation is definitely just pretty much the, the tip of the iceberg there. I mean, it's just like the, you know, just so much with that where it is the idea of blackface it's taken in, in, in this idea of trying to, uh, where a white person's trying to ad- adopt this, uh, I guess, do this practice where they're trying to ad- adopt the, these negative stereotypes that uh, of African Americans and trying to portray a, in a villainous role in the film, and then you know in order to uh, you know and basically then gets his plans get thwarted by um, the, the Ku Klux Klan you know at the end of the film. Spoiler yeah. alert! Uh, but I mean that's like. Just the uh, and the fact that that's just one of really many different uh, re- crazy examples, uh, terrible examples uh, that we've seen uh, in in cinema. And it's it's, it's and I think the I think the thing about that movie as well is because of how many different revolutionary techniques of uh, technical uh, from the technical side of things mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the idea of the close up or like even with storytelling of two different events happening at the same time in different places and the idea, just the tracking shots, all these different uh, amazing feats that were done technically uh, are, totally are overshadowed by the, uh, the, the, the high level of racism and offensive, offensive 
ness that's in this film and mm-hmm. that uh you know which it's not even just a like a modern thing it, it, they they had the NAACP was like against this thing from the get-go and like people wow. were protesting this film in, in some s- sections but definitely that was uh, overridden by the majority which you know of white audiences who, who loved yeah. the film it 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 gave it lit a fire under the Ku Klux Klan because they also showed it to people who were inductees and you know it terrified white America at the time because they're watching it and they're like oh wow you know this must be true Mm, yeah you know and in the film it depicts the the Ku Klux Klan as heroes Mm -hmm. uh, that they are protecting the land from African Americans Um, and you know that effectively started the the first of the super predators, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. You know, even seeing black skin as the enemy or something to fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I even, you know, my heart even goes out to people that saw it and that was terrified. I mean, you know, like yeah. people who still kind of live with that fear yeah. of like, Oh, well, like I saw this movie and it depicted, you know, things this way and that way. Um, but even bringing it back to appropriation, just this, you know, we have this history of, I think it's an American thing. It's just taking things and not, you know, just taking. Yeah. Taking what we have. Yep. It's, it's a lot of, it's not just, you know, like Western culture taking things from the black culture. It's, it happens in many cultures beware. Mm-hmm. Kente cloths, we wear um, komodos, we wear blackface, uh, kilts without even, and and if effectively that's all still appropriation. Um, and then, you know, it's not just the things, it's the, the ideas, you know, and just keep going into it. Yeah. And I, I don't know what level it becomes appreciation. Um, I, is it when you're invited? Um, I have some. Do this. I have some. Oh, go ahead. Put for yeah. appreciation. So the difference with appreciation um, in this um, article I have here, it says a, a, cult- a cultural appreciation is a little bit trickier to define, as it's probably something that happens naturally when sparked by curiosity or in response to a specific experience. Whereas appropriation looks more like the outright co-opting of symbols and rituals by people not brought up in that cultural context. Appreciation Mm -hmm. simply means expressing a willingness to learn and Mm -hmm. admire other culture without Mm -hmm. comparing and contrasting. There you go. Um, Why do you think comparing and contrasting is so um, integral? Because it I think, I mean, speaking for myself, not from the, the article, but I think once you start comparing and contrasting, you're you're more or less deeming one to be above the other. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. saying, okay. Or which one, you're deeming one is more acceptable okay. or appropriate. Yeah. It's like hip-hop fashion. Yeah. Um, and oh man, so uh, they have, this is actually really cool. Um, this is a checklist to see if you are appropriating or appreciating. Ooh. Some questions to ask yourself. So if you're listening, um, check these out. Because sometimes you don't know if you are, right? But some questions here. Do I understand the significance of this attire, tradition, or custom? Hmm. Do I understand the significance of it? Am I honoring this culture or simply imitating it? Mm. Think about the word honor. Mm-hmm. Am I honoring this culture? Will my participation result in a cultural exchange or will it perpetuate stereotypes and hurt the people who belong to this culture? Mm. And mm. lastly, am I doing this as a personal opportunity to interact with and experience another culture or am I doing this for the photo 
I'll post on Instagram later. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, that's a pretty good couple questions to ask yourself first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, you go ahead. Um, my like uh, touchstone or like the example I keep coming back to as I'm processing and making sense of all this is just um, like Native American slash Indian slash indigenous headdresses. Um, that was, I think, my first ever time knowing that cultural appropriation was wrong was like uh, when music festivals started happening, like Bonnaroo or whatever, and like white girls would walk around with these Indian headdresses. Yeah, shares half breed. Wait, what? Shares half breed. Okay. Is that a, is that a reference? Song that she, or she, There's a song oh. that she did, and gotcha. she, I mean, her attire was a headdress and. Oh, wow. That's probably what made the headdress famous, even, within white culture. So now um, I'm, uh, so I make earrings and a couple of crafters that I'm friends with on Instagram are indigenous. And so I'm kind of like secondhand, like learning through them and what they post and their significance. And then also indigenous TikTok is like a thing these days. And there's like this trend where, you start out in like your normal everyday like American wear and then the beat drops to whatever song it is and then they like appear in their like full decked out like ceremony attire outfit um and it's like honestly like those videos make me want to cry because they're so powerful and so beautiful and so now that I've like learned even just a little bit more about what that means to that culture, I'm just like, wow, it's really horrific that white girls ever thought that that was okay. And I'm, you know, given the opportunity back then, I probably would have done the same thing. Um, But yeah, that just really drives it home for me. Like, just like the beauty and the power that you are giving up when you are just taking something for yourself. Like you're missing out on so much. And you're hurting people. So there's like a huge aspect of that too. But anyway, that's coming to mind. I wonder how this impacts food culture as well. Mm. People take on, you know, dishes from Asian countries, South American, Central American, and they they do whatever they want to it. And they, they call it what it's referencing but it may not be that right um i've been recently trying dishes out uh because i live with our roommate is uh is mexican and uh i don't think i appreciate all the things that led to this dish and you know i learn about it but i don't think i appreciate what it means to her as much as as i could or as much as other people right do when they prepare dishes or dress certain ways right. like is, is taco bell appropriation mm. i'm sorry jay what was that <laughs> i said it's taco Jeez. bell appropriation. oh man it's i i have taco bell today actually but... see i'm not surprised that's true you probably just you know just text me on a random day. Hey, did you have Taco Bell today? I think you did. Nine times out of ten, you probably, you probably got me on a day that I had Taco Bell. Man, that's a tough one there. Uh, man. Yeah. I think the question of, like, at what point, like, maybe, throwing this out there, maybe cultural appreciation can be neutral, but it becomes damaging when it's done by a dominant quote-unquote culture done to a non-dominant one because what you were saying about kilts like my family's irish that's a joke to me that anyone would be like oh my gosh i'm sorry that i didn't check with you if if it was okay to like wear a kilt i'm like dude it's a it's a kilt i almost said a cult um I mean, there is significance for sure, and there is a history there, and I'm not the point person to talk to. I'm super American. Anyways, my point is, like, is St. Patrick's Day, like, cultural appropriation? Maybe it is, but maybe it's just not really damaging because it's white Europeans that are being, quote, unquote, attacked or 
damaged in some way by St. Patrick's Day where it like doesn't actually have that impact versus like blackface does, white girls that mm-hmm. use girls wearing Indian headdresses that does. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think that, like, I don't know. I mean, I think my thought would be like, when it is something where the the person who's doing this, like, whatever it is involving another culture, is doing this to uh, to make fun. I think to make fun of the of, of that culture to um, to uh, I guess portray a negative view. Mm-hmm. Um, um or or maybe even just like trying to um receive some like kind of use that culture for their own monetary gain without ever making consideration for that culture um Mm -hmm. so i think i don't know i mean just like yeah just like even sometimes in the movies and the portrayals of certain uh certain um like when 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 especially in a lot of classic films when you had white people who were portraying other races, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most famous ones. Uh, that's Aladdin. A, uh, what, oh, Aladdin. <laughs> Sorry, you say Aladdin? Yeah. Oh, Aladdin, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> the live action Aladdin white? I haven't seen uh, it. Both of them, the live action and the cartoon. Oh, the voice actor. Mm. That's in, okay, that's another question. Like, is that... Wrong. That's a Perfect. side note. I'm sorry. I thought yeah. you were going to say Aladdin. No, no sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about Aladdin. Um, no, I was thinking about Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mickey Rooney um, played uh, uh, an Asian character, and, um, and a really offensive one, right? Very offensive. Yeah, very offensive. Mm-hmm. Just basically trying to portray what Americans, I guess, negative stereotypes that Americans of that time had mm-hmm. uh, a view their view of of Asian people. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so definitely that could be very harmful in regards to a whole, like a whole group being viewed a certain way that, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, negatively. And, uh, or you just think about even just in Westerns, uh, a lot of white, white, white people plant portraying native Americans. Um, mm-hmm. that was a common thing. And, uh, and a lot of times these, these, these films would be portraying native Americans as, uh, you know, as like as savages or as, you know, uh, just basically as as uh, just harmful people, you know, uh, but not really, really honoring or appreciating uh, their culture in any way. Um, yeah. You know, I if you don't mind me sharing a little bit further about this, hmm. I feel like this one gets to my heart a little bit. So one of my favorite movies, I guess I could say it is my favorite movie is Lawrence yeah. Arabia. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it's the elephant in the room in my heart that I got to talk about here with this. Talk one. about it, um, because this is an interesting film in that it's about a it's a British film, and it's about uh, T. E. Lawrence, Colonel from World War One, going to Arabia to help with the Arab revolt against the Turks. Um, and I think this film is one of the most amazing films ever made. Well done filmmaking, fantastic. Uh, acting, script, cinematography, editing, score, all of it's top-notch. But there are it, problems in the film, and specifically in regards to this cultural appropriation. Uh, and, and it's interesting because there are different... There's a little bit nuance to this, and I think it's really fascinating about this film, is that the film is, like, has the white savior trope in this, as, as Lawrence is, is seeing himself even as this savior of trying to rescue uh, the, the Arabs from, you know, you know, their, uh, uh, you know, and rescue the Arabs and give them their independence or whatever. Like he's going to be the one to save them. However, the movie subverts that trope and mm. and that they realize like, you know, and he, he ends up, uh, you know, really just being revealed and exposed as being the egotistical narcissist mm. that he, you know, that he is in the film. Interestingly enough, earlier in the film, he calls the like Arab savages or barbarous. He says barbarous and cruel is what he says. Sorry, not uh, he doesn't necessarily call them savages. But the thing is, later on in the film, he ends up becoming more barbarous and cruel than any anybody else in the film. Um, so I think it's interesting how that move the movie is also critical as well of the British uh, imperialism and uh, and colonialism, uh, you know, and trying to 
you know, meddle in the affairs of, of Arabia. Uh, however, at the same time, two of the, uh, two of the main characters in the film, two of the main Ara uh, Arabian characters, uh, Arab characters are portrayed by Europe, white Europeans. Mm -hmm. And, um, which, you know, and, and you can't get around it. Um, one of them, I would say, is played is Prince Faisal is played by Alec Guinness, and Alec Guinness is like one of the most amazing actors, and how he just became a chameleon, and in a sense of just really immersing himself to any role, becoming who he was, uh, becoming that role, just an amazing job. Now, his character has a lot of dignity, a lot of wit, a lot of uh, uh, of great prestige, and so and, and 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 I think there's a lot of respect that's garnered from this 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 character. And it's that, that this character has in the film, so I, I think that in his in his way, he I think he's having a sense of cultural uh, appreciation, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yet, but then there's another guy, uh, a character named Alda, who's played by Anthony Quinn, and this this character is seen as kind of like dim-witted or uh, like paranoid or superstitious or aggressive and violent. And, and doesn't have the same, doesn't garner the same level of respect and dignity, uh, you know, in the film as, as Prince Faisal's character does. And so I, that's where I feel like, okay, that's where you feel like you're, you're portraying this in a negative light. This feels like the cultural appropriation here. And so this has just been on my, on my heart, even as we're, as this topic came up, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to bust out Lawrence of Arabia here. I cannot mm -hmm. talk about film and cultural appropriation without bringing this up. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's a difficult one. I mean, it's uh it's it's definitely affected how I view the film um you know since in the in the more, in the more recent years since I you know since even as issues of race and and, and it's come into the like it's just been more in the in the conversation um and as I've started to think more about these things and and consider even um the issues of racism uh and and and, and stuff like that in in film and in media. Um, yeah. It definitely has affected my view of this film. So. Yeah, appreciate. Yeah. That. I actually thought of Lawrence Arabia when we were talking about this, and I think back then it was just a matter of preference who was cast as whatever character. So, like extras being, you know, white people portraying Indians or white or Anglo Caucasian people being portrayed as Arabs. Um, you know, I think there's a racism was really clear back then. And I don't know if they had actually hired the, the, the proper race in those roles, unless they were written differently. Would that, would that change things? Do you think? You saying like, if they had like, if they had actually, the producers had hired like okay this is a character who's a this is an arab character so an arab actor is going to play it yeah if they had done that would have changed like the scope oh yeah i mean it would have it would have changed things definitely would have i mean i think it would have had uh it would have made a big impact i think in the industry um right. you know and uh at the same time i think there there would have been you know probably definitely some backlash i think to an extent mm -hmm. In regards to one, I think that in situations where you have like high profile stars who get replaced by people who are unknown to American audiences, I think you're going to have a box office uh, and you're going to lose money in that sense to an extent. Um, I think also maybe if you, the people are just who, who at the time maybe had uh, their own uh, racist tendencies may may have a negative perspective on the film for for for, you know, for employing uh, actors of different races. Um, which yeah. is unfortunate, but, um, yeah, I think definitely, you know, maybe this whole industry would be so different, you know, now, um, and so much more diverse than it is now, uh, yeah. if, if there was at least efforts made back in the day. True. Yeah. And, and I asked that because even black people or Hispanic people, um, and other people of other races are cast typecasted because of a stereotype that that comes along mm -hmm. so that character is portraying the character that it was written for or that actor is portraying a character that it was written for and it still perpetuates that stereotype yeah mm. yeah interesting point yeah 
I kind of yeah. want to ask him if Scott has something to say. Like, I just kind of want to ask what you, why you guys think cultural appropriation happens. What's the motivation for people stealing aspects of people's culture? It's Fetishism. Good point, Carl. Yeah, the people just like, I think people just like things. They're like, oh, that looks cool. I'll try it. Yeah. Um, and predominantly, you know, when we're talking about media or entertainment, um, it's because, I mean, I, I think they, they, it's exotic to them. You know, that's the word they put on it, actually, exotic. Um, when, yeah. a, when a white woman, you know, puts cornrows in her hair, it's exotic. It's an exotic mm-hmm. look. But mm-hmm. if, you know, if a black woman walked up with the same type of cornrows, she'd mm-hmm. be, you know, antagonized. But, you know, yeah. she'd be called ghetto. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. like that, you know, um, you know, in certain job places, you can't have your hair in a certain way. You know, we've heard stories about that where, mm-hmm. you know, the company's like, you know, either you change your hairstyle or you're fired. You can't have dreads here or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, is it, you know, you, you hear those stories a lot, but I think even, you know, just kind of seeing a picture here of, um, I dream of Jeannie, if you remember that show, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just kind of seeing this picture of this white woman, you know, mm-hmm. smiling and being like the picture of beauty, mm-hmm. but she's dressed in a culture that's not her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it seems like it makes the culture acceptable, but it doesn't make the skin acceptable. Mm-hmm. That's very, you know, it, it seems like it, right. It, it makes, I mean, even talking about specifically, I wanted to switch gears actually and talk about, um, well, I wanted to talk about more entertainment, but I kind of wanted to lead it into how it's seen every day. But, um, you know, when, when, um, Africans were brought over, you know, they had a culture, but that culture was erased within mm-hmm. slavery. Um, so African Americans, have had to create their own culture from from the remnants of what they remember, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, time goes on all the way up to you know the the late seventies or so, the mid to late seventies, where hip hop is created. And hip hop was created in the streets of the Bronx, um, using black popular music um, at a time where disco was actually the biggest sound you know, on the radio waves, but hip hop and punk music um, was coming up too, but specifically hip hop was a thing. Now hip hop today is a multi-billion dollar genre, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a business and there's a lot of money within hip hop culture and hip hop music Mm -hmm. and all of that, you know, Um, you, you see it everywhere. You even see it in our school system, how we teach our children they use hip hop now. Mm-hmm. And what I think about is just like, man, it's like, man, people love hip hop. They love our culture, but they don't love us. Yeah. And I think that's what hurts about appropriation. Yeah. It is that you yeah. admire the culture that I, that I, that's mine, that belongs to me, yeah. but you don't admire me, you know? Um, and that's yeah. what hurts, I think. Yeah. Um, anytime I hear kids, you know, using slang that it doesn't even sound right coming out of their mouth, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm just like, uh, don't say that. Like that doesn't even sound cool. Like <laughs> it doesn't even sound right coming out of it because I know, I know, you know, where I've heard that slang. I know what rap songs I've heard it in and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it just does not sound right coming out of your mouth. Like I know for a fact you heard that on TikTok or mm-hmm. from one of your black students or black friends or whatever, and mm-hmm. you felt cool saying it just now, but it doesn't sound cool coming out your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like yeah. you see it. It's 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 actually more, I think, acceptable today to even mm-hmm. you know when you talk about you start talking about TikTok. And stuff like that to where, you know, not only the the slang and lingo is stolen, but dance moves are stolen. Mm. Um, These like viral dances and stuff like that. There's been plenty of times where it was, you know, a young black African-American that's created the dance, Mm -hmm. but it went viral when a white person did it. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, 
And it's just, you know, much with a, much with a, with a lot of things that are viral, that go viral today, mm-hmm. that become huge crazes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, fashion outbursts, these new fads that happen, you know, um, usually it's um, it's not it's not made famous by someone who created it. Um, and I think that's what that's why that's how people get their feelings hurt. That's how people yeah. get hurt by appropriation, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, there's such a long history with that. I mean, duh. But I'm just thinking <laughs> we have like. Uh, like the Beatles, like a lot of their sound and what they made famous, their black contemporaries were also doing, but not getting credit for. I wish I could give you more specifics, but that's just interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Elvis Presley. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Another great example. Yeah. Something recently happened with this is talking about cancel culture more, but so Noah Cyrus, so Harry Styles wore a dress. Um, on the cover of Vogue, if I'm not mistaken. And then Candace Owens said something negative about it. And so Noah Cyrus, in response, was like, Harry Styles wears a dress better than expletive, expletive, you nappy, expletive, expletive. So that word nappy really got to people because they were like, how are you like you're not even using that's not even an insult that like black people use for other black people like who do you think you are basically and just like my friend made a point that like a lot of times white people will use lingo it's like another language that we're not even using correctly and right i can yeah you keep saying that but i don't think you know what it means what's that what's the quote uh, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it reminds yeah. of this documentary I watched a while back about a family in the 60s. And one aspect that the family did was for it was a white family. They invited two black, like 16 year olds over to talk to their kids because it was literally one of the only opportunities they would get to interact with black people. And I'll just never forget what one of the black young men said. He was like, like black people are known for being cool. What if I want to be more than cool? What if I don't want to be cool? What if I want to be different? And that just really stuck with me because I think we can use black people and their ideas as the standard of what's cool in society and yet still completely devalue black skin, black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, I wanted to to close this uh, this uh, main squeeze section out with just an experience um, that I had, I shared that I would consider cultural appreciation, and I think it's what we all should strive to go after. The beautiful thing about sharing experiences with people that are of, of a different culture. Um, and actually, Carl was there, and Jay was there uh, when we went, had to had a privilege to go to India. Wow! Yeah. Together, actually, um, if you're listening, yeah, we went to India um, years ago now. Yeah, 2014. Um, Crazy, huh? what an amazing time. Yeah, 2015, 2014. Yeah, yeah, it was like right before New Year's, or right after, right before right. New Year's. Is, New Year's Day is when we flew out. Yeah, New Year's right. Day is when we flew out. Yeah, so. Um, it was an amazing time that we had there, you know, uh, and we were completely in their hands, mind you, you know, like we went there and they took care of us. They fed us and, you know, we were in their culture. (laughs) There was no way that we can appropriate. I mean, I guess we could appropriate, but they, Mm -hmm. they taught us their ways, their customs, the way their life goes. We learned from them. We ate at their feet. That's the difference between appropriation and appreciation. Mm. You know, when we went shopping with them and um, some of the sisters bought saris or some of the brothers had bought um, shirts and stuff like that from their mall, they showed us what it, what was what. They showed us what, you know, I had bought my mother this um, this beautiful necklace and the brother had showed me. He was like, "Oh, you want to get something from your mother? Okay, this is this means this, mm. you know." 
um, you know, they taught, and there was a, there was an amazing, beautiful moment I will never forget, where we were at a carnival, and we we I was dancing with some of the Indian brothers cool. there, and they were they were doing like some Indian dances, and like, you know they was killing it, and I was like they was trying to get me to do the same dance, and I was trying to do it, and I probably I probably looked, you know, I wasn't killing it like I normally be killing dances, y'all, but. I was, I was trying to do it, but you know, but I stopped and, you know, so I was like, you know, I'm going to throw it up for my homeboys, man. And, you know, I started doing some of my dances. I started Harlem shanking, uh, not shanking, shaking. <laughs> I didn't shake nobody. I started, I started doing the Harlem shake and all of that, you know what I'm saying? Two-stepping, all of that. Um, and they, they started to try to move like that too, you know? And I just remember it was a moment in which there was a natural an organic exchange of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, I was like, man, this is this, this dance I'm doing is from Harlem. This is hip hop. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just, it was a beautiful moment where yeah. there was a connection, mm-hmm. you know, and the sharing of cultures should be about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the way God would intend it to be. You know, that's how, I'm sure that's why he divided us into different cultures. So that we can share and connect with each other. Um, so I hope that, yeah, I, I hope that you know hits your ears and, and inspires you to um, to learn about other people. Um, yeah. So Jay, I know you got a hit pick for us, bro. I do. Oh man, but you just got me thinking all about India, man. Just got me all having feeling warm feelings again about that time. I really love. It was that a great time. trip. I, I wish we can go back right now. Just snap the fingers, go back to India, man. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was just such a great uh, just a moment in my life. I can just, I just really loved and appreciated. But anyways, yes, hit pick time. All right. So, you know, like I think I, I mentioned on a previous episode about the Spike Lee challenge. Hey, mm-hmm. hope, you know, go, go watch the Spike Lee movie. Highly recommend his work. He's amazing. One of the greatest filmmakers out there uh, of all time. And uh, and so, you know, and, and I mentioned even earlier to the to the crew here that I've kind of been a little bit out of touch of 2020 films and uh, focusing on a lot of on classic cinema. That's where I usually try to uh, focus my attention. I, I love uh, old movies. But nonetheless, I actually have seen a 2020 film this year um, from the comfort of my own home. And, uh, and it was directed by Spike Lee. Movie, the movie is called American Utopia, and Ooh. it actually is a concert film. It's it's based on David Burns, uh, his his Broadway show that is actually a concert, uh, based off of his uh, based off of his album American Utopia, uh, that was released a few years back. And David Byrne was the frontman for the new wave band Talking Heads, and. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, especially during this time, like Talking Heads is probably one of the best bands you could be like listening to because of how positive and upbeat and mm. fun they are. Just how much energy they have in their songs. And just it's just a lot of fun. Uh, I, I found out on my Spotify, like top, uh, you know, my Spotify year in review that I was mm-hmm. in the top 0.5 percent in the world of people who, who had listened to Talking Heads the most. Five. I'm like, hey, wow. cool. Are they gonna give me a medal or something? Talking heads, come on, man. No, uh, but but uh but yeah, but David Byrne, his show is phenomenal. He and 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 it's just an amazing show to witness and watch. And uh, you know, he has like pretty much just this whole band that's carrying their instruments. Six of them are so are percussion. So it's just so much dynamic uh, uh sound, like sound to this this to the show and the 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 whole group is a very diverse group of different races ethnicities uh coming from different countries and and so really just a very like uh just a really diverse eclectic group that are making such beautiful music and coming together and really i think the whole movie is trying to be focused on the idea of connection uh which i think is is all the more reason why it's the perfect film for 2020 is that it's all about connection as opposed to isolation. And it's really like David Burns Ted talk for, for an hour and a half, you know, where he shares a few different thoughts on things throughout, throughout in between each song. 
and he he busts out some of the course the Talking Heads classics, and also has some of uh, his his original solo work, and uh, and it's so creative and, and unique and, and and strange and beautiful all at the same time. There is a and I was when I was watching the film, I'm like, I don't really get this. I don't really see a lot of the Spike Lee uh, motifs that are very very common in his films in this movie. Why? Like, where where are they? What is it? And then there was a particular moment in the film. I'm not going to spoil all that happens because I want you to watch it for yourself because Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I took me by surprise. I didn't know it was coming and it really blew me away. There was a moment where they basically near the end of the film where they basically talk about, you know, even David Burns acknowledges that it is their protest song in the show. And Mm -hmm. and even he's talking, when talking about it, he, um, he was just talking about himself even seeing the, the need to have his own change in, in perspective in regards to, to these issues of race. And uh, the whole, the song that they perform, um, it, it really ties in to, to the, to, um, and really pays tribute in a sense to, uh, to the lives of African-Americans who were killed at the hands of racial violence or, or, or by uh, law enforcement mm. uh, and un- unjustly. And, and uh, and so it really is. Um, and in those moments, you really see Spike Lee's like signature, like filmmaking techniques come come to life. And awesome. It's like, yep. And it, it, it felt like the whole film was building to this one moment. And um, but yeah, I'm not going to add anything more to that. You've got to check it out for yourself. It's on HBO, all the HBO yep. streaming uh, platforms. You'll be able to HBO Max. Yep. yep. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's uh, definitely uh, an amazing concert film and, and a wonderful experience to, to witness. American yeah. Utopia. Check it so, out. American Utopia. You know, if it's a hit pick of Jay's, we are going to break it down at some point. I would say next year, next woo! year, uh, I would love to break that movie down and have some dialogue on that. Um, but yeah, guys, we only have one more episode to record this year. And then we will we'll adjourn until next year. Uh, so if you're a hardcore listener out there, you love Embrace Miles of Race. Um, we're about to we're gonna we're gonna do ten. We're gonna round out ten and then enjoy the uh, the holidays. And then we'll be back right back on it next year in January. Um, that we won't be able to blame our problems on 2020 anymore that they're going to carry through 2021 and we have to confront them as if they're problems right <laughs> right yeah um <laughs> i cannot end this episode without pulling some encouragement from from god the word of god um and it's actually i chose a scripture that we've actually said a number of times that actually the the passage that inspired this podcast was, you know, Philippians two, three, and four. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I added verse four there. Um, so we were talking about appropriation and it seems as if to me that appropriation is rooted in selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's rooted in it mm-hmm. because appropriation mm-hmm. is something that hurts people and it's something that doesn't value other people. Mm-hmm. But in humility, if you value others above yourself, not looking into what you want to do in your interests, but looking into other people's interests, what we've been trying to teach this whole time. You can really find yourself appreciating other cultures and learning. There's a lot of other cultures out there that are really rich and really awesome, mm-hmm. right? You just have to make sure that you are in a state of humility when learning about these other cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so take some encourage, encouragement from that. Um, we super appreciate you guys. Any listeners out there, if you are checking us out, thank you. Continue to check us out. We are not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to keep this thing going. There's a lot of work we uh, have done, but there's a lot of work we have yet to, to do as well. Um, if you're new to listening to Embrace, 
Uh, make sure you follow us at uh, on Facebook at Embrace Podcast or Instagram at Embrace underscore podcast. Um, we'll be more than happy to hear your thoughts, um, engage in conversation with you guys. We would love to hear from you guys um, and even uh, bring about questions that could be featured on the episode on the show. So sure. uh, make sure you you reach out to us. Um, we are more than happy to have a conversation with you all, too. So um, thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you.